We've had time to think about it, so now it's time to talk about it. DC Fandom on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 112 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me on the phone, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petri. Hey, Brian. Hey, and also on the phone today, special guest, my partner in the real deal, Mr. Kevin Pauly. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I figured since there was a little bit to talk about today with some of the things that have come out in the last week or two, I, I definitely wanted to get your viewpoint on a few things. But before we get to that... We have, of course, on the Geek Watch podcast, we've done several immemorials, and unfortunately, we have one today, and this one, for me, particularly hurts, and I'm sure for you guys also this week, Chadwick Bozeman passed away from cancer. Apparently, he'd been fighting cancer for the last four years, and he didn't tell anybody about it, but he did make a point to go out and do as, as many movies as he could and to make his mark. He did think that he, from what I understand, he did think that he might be able to do Black Panther 2 and that he might be able to beat cancer. Unfortunately, that's uh, not what happened. I think it was pretty much a shock to all of us because, of course, yeah. none of us knew. I had mentioned it, and Kevin, of course, you'd seen on Facebook, uh, there had been some mentions of it as well. The internet went nuts when when this happened, obviously, because, of course, none of us saw it coming. None of us, because, of course, he didn't say anything. Uh, he pretty much kept that to himself and just kept working. And, I mean, what a body of work. Right, and he looked so good. You know, some people, like um, celebrities, you know, they start losing weight. Maybe they start losing their hair. And some people guess, you know, this is what's going on before they finally come out and say, yes, oh, I'm going through this. Yeah. You know, he never did. No, he didn't. And I will say, too, and this... Because the internet's a messed up place. There was, uh, I think about a month or so ago, there was a picture of him on Instagram. And he was looking thinner, definitely. And I mean, obviously, he was toward the end of it. Yep, he sure was. I I remember the picture you're talking about. Yeah. And of course, a lot of people on the internet gave him grief over it. They're like, dude, you need to, you know, you're letting yourself go. You need to bulk up, get ready for, you know. So there were some nasty comments being made. And of course, I hope these people feel really, really freaking bad about saying the things that they said because, of course, they didn't know. But that's the danger when you want to make comments on the internet, especially when you don't know the person, you don't know what they're going through. I mean, there's a real danger that you're going to say something stupid like that. And, of course, that's unfortunately what happened. But, you know, I don't want to dwell on that. I mean, obviously, what he was able to do, I mean, even just in the last four years, I mean, you realize he's doing action movies and he's sick the whole time. But he, and, I mean, the importance, really, of, I mean, Black Panther alone, just giving uh, a lot of young fans the ability to see themselves in a superhero movie. And, I mean... And and only the way that Chad, Chadwick Boseman could do it. I mean, that that was a you know honestly it was it's more it was it was more than just a movie to a lot of people. Well, I think you look at the impact of his work, and this is a guy whose work will outlive us all. And, and especially when you look at the impact through Black Panther, just because you know he he meant so much to so many in that role, and that film meant so much to so many, and. To see the way that he took on the part, and again, you know, 
when you do superhero stuff, it's really easy to be one note as both the hero and the villain. And he never allowed his portrayal of T'Challa to ever feel one note. He was a very dignified, a very intelligent, a very and many times soft-spoken character who resorted to action when it was necessary, but was that was never like, you know, his main thing. And, and I really appreciated the fact that he was able to bring, you know, to, to really bring that character to life in, in a way that, again, was so very kingly. You know, T'Challa is a king, and he played him perfectly, note perfectly, every time he suited up for that role. And I, I, I thought it was very ironic, you know, that he died on Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball. Of course, he played Jackie Robinson in 42. And yeah. the fact that you know, he did, again, you look at the, the work he did there, which is really great work. And people don't talk about that film enough. He's really great in that movie. He and Harrison Ford work really well together. And he really, again, just what he brought to every film that he worked on, by all accounts, he was a good guy, like a genuinely good person. And I think to me where the respect that I have for him that goes beyond just, you know, hey, he did a great job in a movie, but the fact that he was fighting cancer, nobody knew it. And yet he was out visiting children who were fighting cancer and nobody knew that he was doing it. And, you know, if anybody had a right to not go visit kids in a hospital, it's someone who is being treated and fighting cancer. And yet, he did not stop that. He was there visiting with other children, giving them strength, giving them hope when he was also fighting that same battle. And I mean, to me, that, that's that's a whole what, different level of humanity and, and a whole different level of kindness than most people will ever know. To my mind, Chadwick Boseman was probably a better man than most of us, to be honest, because oh, it, 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 it would have been so easy to give up, you know, with that kind of a diagnosis. But to persevere, to do, you know, like I say, to use, like you said, you know, visit you know, kids in hospitals, to leave a, an amazing body of work, it would have been so easy to have given up and it would have been so easy to be negative. But I mean, and, and again, you know, looking at, you know, some of the things that Josh Gad shared about his, the last text that he got from Chadwick Boseman, you know, this is, you know, and it was a message of, you know, appreciate your appreciate your life and, you know, spend every day, you know, in positivity. And if anybody had the right to go, you know, life is worthless and it sucks, it would have been Chadwick Boseman because he was dealt a really yeah. terrible hand. And the farm was But yeah, he, I mean, I mean, it's just, yeah, like I said, just another example of just what a good person that he is. And uh, being a geek, you know, being being a geek myself and, you know, of course, all the people that I follow on Instagram and on Facebook and everything, all the all the celebrities are, you know, pretty much, you know, in the Avengers. And it, every, you know, so then, of course, my feed floods with stories about, you know, what an awesome guy he was. And he was never, he never put on airs. He never thought he was better than anyone else. It, you know, that he was just a beautiful human being and and something, you know, looking at the, the opus of the Avengers and, you know, that's what he's going to be mostly known for. He's done a lot of other great work, but that's what that's really what he's, you know, going to be, be going down in history for is, and I don't know if this was the writing or exactly what gave him his character arcs have, uh, you know, Winter Soldier and Black Panther that he had when he realized he was wrong, the, the true remorse 
that he showed. You know, he he, he understood Killmonger's vengeance because he felt the same way against Bucky. But when each time when he realized he was wrong or someone he loved was in the wrong, I mean, you could see like the, the absolute heartbreak in him and realize there are victims here that you know he didn't realize. Yeah, and that's something that you know I, I really admire, and uh, you know I wish you would have you know got got kind of the chance to you know step out and, and you know go go those roles that you know that, you, that get the recognition, you know that that'll get you the Oscars, that'll get you the Tonys. And stuff like that. And unfortunately, you know, we're not there with superhero films just yet. But hopefully... But, but we'll note that the, the first ever comic book movie ever nominated for Best Picture was Black Panther. So yeah. that's a that's a big deal right there. And, you know, the fact that, you know, that film, again, didn't just break records in the box office. What it meant to society as a whole as far as, you know, especially right now with everything being so crazy when it comes to race relations in this nation... Here was a film that brought everybody together, and more importantly, though, it really it, it, it really brought a light onto, you know, the black community to to finally have someone that represented them, and and it wasn't in any way, shape, or form like a stereotypical thing at all. Here was a character who was noble, who was powerful, who had you know a kingdom. He was he was a king. He did all these great things. He took care of other people, and and that country, you know, was so far above everyone else as far as like it, it's. You know, the way that people live, the, the technology and all that. And, and yet still, he found the importance of giving back to others, of helping others. Even those who would you know, turn their backs against him, he would still help them because it's the right thing to do. And that kind of, of character, you know, is, is something that, you know, actors would, would give, you know, uh, give, give, her, give her right arm you know, to, to be able to pre- perform in a role like that. And, and the fact that he did it so well every time out when he suited up for the character, and especially in his, his solo film, you know, that, that really is something that I, I'm so glad that he got that chance to do that. And I'm so glad that for so many, that film is something that so many people will, will look at as a real benchmark in geek culture, in pop culture, and just in our nation's culture. And you just, you know, you just wonder, you know, the sadness definitely comes from, of course, a, a, a light that was burning so bright, taken away so soon. But, you know, you wonder what what we would have had in store, you know, with Black Panther 2. And then not only that, just what else his career could have done. Like you said, man, he, there's so many roles that were waiting for him, you know, whether it was on Broadway or in, in film. You know, you could definitely see he had the chops, man. I mean, he he's just... You, you look at his work, and he is such a strong, dedicated performer, and you just know that there was so much great work ahead of him. But, you know, I, I think what we can all be grateful for is the work that we do have and that work that will stand. And, and as I said before, it's work that will outlast us all. And, and in the end, as, as, a, as an artist, that's ultimately the thing you, you want to leave behind, you know, a legacy that outlives you and, and outlives your family even. And this definitely will. Oh, certainly. I mean— there's no there's no telling, you know, what his legacy is going to be and the doors that he's managed to open for for a lot of people, especially in in Hollywood and in, in you know, and how it's changed Hollywood. My only regret, of course, is that unfortunately he will not be around to see it because right. yeah, he was a rare cat and he will definitely be missed for sure. So, so what, are, what are you two hoping for in the in the legacy of Black Panther? Because, I mean, I know exactly what I want. I'm guessing Josh can guess what I want from Black Panther, too. <laughs> but yeah. uh, what are you guys looking looking for? Because I know 
I know what I I don't want them to recast them. I want to see the same for Coachella, and I want it to be the story show. <laughs> you know, but you know, pretty much, you know, our listeners and you guys would have guessed that. But you know, yeah. Uh, that I am, I am such a Shuri fan girl. So that's what I want to see in the, the legacy of Black Panther. So where are you hoping that the films go? So I've seen a lot of people make that same comment about Shuri, and you know that that doesn't that doesn't bother me at all because I do think she's really great. I don't really have a preference, but I do wonder what the powers that be will do about it. I don't see them recasting him because I think it would just be a real disrespect. But yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. There's also a part of me that would say, like, you know, could, you know, M'Baku be the one that takes yeah. the mental the, as he was, you know, looking to do. And I would be very okay with that as well because you look at his arc and how he performed in, you know, Endgame and such. And I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd be cool with that too. If either he or Shuri get it, you know, I wouldn't have any real heartache either way. I just don't want them to recast it. What they had to do with Rhodey, you know, going from you know, Terrence Howard to, to Don Cheadle, I don't want them to do that. I, I, it, it's too, it's too much. It's, it's too disrespectful, I think, to do that. So I, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, I have to say, I'm, I, I'm kind of torn in the whole, the whole idea of recasting it, because I mean, you know, Chadwick Boseman, like we've been saying, he, he was, uh, he was a very, he brought something very special to that role. I mean, that being said, I'm also, like I said, I'm very torn about this because at the same time, I don't want Hollywood to get the idea in their head that, you know, Chadwick Boseman just happened to be, you know, he was a, he was a great actor and just fortunately he was black, you know, as if there are not a lot of really talented people of color who, who act. And like I said, I would hate oh, no, to... I, I, see, I see what you're saying there. I do, but... I don't know. I just feel like you, you, you have to respect the person who opened that door and who paved that way as well. Oh, and I, absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. A simple recast. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. Oh, well, I, believe but me. I, I'm, I, get what, I get what you're saying because if you were to go recast it, then that gives another young black actor a chance to be seen in a big, you know, situation and, and, and to be elevated to that level. So there, it, it, it is, I don't envy Marvel. I'll put it that way. I don't envy yeah. their um, But I, I do think that no matter what, I know that the fans definitely, they're going to be very, very vocal. If they do go the recasting route, they're going to be very, very vocal about who they cast. And I, under, I completely understand that. Believe me, when I say, you know, that I am very torn about it because, like I said, I, 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 res, I respect you know, obviously the legacy of Chadwick Boseman, but at the same time, I don't want to see it end. I, I do. I right. hate to see us take a step back and, you know, and just Black Panther 2 just be canceled. I, I would hate that as well. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very torn on it. But, of course, we've got uh, Tenet coming out this weekend with another really fine African-American actor. You know, may, I'm not saying necessarily that he would be a good, uh, I, I don't know, whether you you would have him replace Chadwick Boseman, but there's there's a lot of great actors out there, and like I said, Chadwick Boseman he he was he was next level and fantastic, but like I said, it's it's just so hard for me to I'm torn. I'm I'm of two minds, you know. I'm, I get it. I get it. 
Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. But yeah, I mean, speaking of Tenet, of course, they're starting to open up theaters now. AMC starting to open up theaters now. I don't, the thing about it is, I don't know if it's a good idea or not. I really don't, <laughs> you know. I have, I have friends who work in the movie theaters sector and I have friends who have gone to the movies and they said one of the things they've noticed when they go, it's like them and them alone or maybe one other person in the theater. And I also understand that they're basically having you pick your seat they go and clean it right before you sit down in it. Now that's all well and good, but my heart, my, 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 my heartache with the whole thing is you're sitting in a room with recycled air. And if you're wearing your mask and someone else isn't, you just have to take off your mask, whatever, there could be that potential for contagion as well. But by the same token, it's like, you also got to keep living. I don't know, man. It, it, it's, I, I'm not going to the theater anytime soon, but I do have friends who have went. And, and so far it's been a very, socially distant experience because there was at the maximum, I think the most I've heard anybody see has been like themselves and maybe like two or three other people and they're all spread out in the theater and that's been about it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, Mandy, do you think you, you plan on going to see a movie anytime nope. soon? Nope. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. No. Maybe I'll do one of the, because they do like those drive-in things. Just here recently, um, a Walmart did a drive-in in West Virginia and Jennifer Gardner showed up. Oh, like, well, that's cool. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Fresh air, you know, open windows. I don't know what it is. When they do, I'm I'm ready for it. But until then, I'm still scared. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I will say also, it's as far as going to the movie theaters. Of course, now that they、uh, are starting to open things up, of course they、uh, they they released、uh, the new mutants that tanked. I mean, it's like that movie was just absolutely <laughs> cursed. I don't know how well、mm-hmm. it would have done in full theaters, but you know, it's like. I'm not risking COVID to see the new mutants. I'm just not. I'm sorry. But, no, 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 no. no.、Uh-huh. You know, I'm just not going to do that. But, the, here's the, but here's the other part of it, too, is that, and I, I know, Kevin, you, you can certainly identify with this at,、uh, as well. There's not a whole lot of advantage to sitting in a movie theater and watching a movie by yourself, you know, that makes the experience necessarily any much any better than sitting at home and watching a movie. The joy of going to a theater is to, to be sitting in a room full of people all enjoying the movie together. That's, that's the draw. That's what I enjoy. That, that communal experience. And if you're not, if you're not going to have that, I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose of showing a movie on the big screen. Especially in the field of comedy and the field of horror, both of those categories, you absolutely need to have that crowd experience because it's just, you know, a part of that experience. The, the laughing together, the jumping together, you know, it enhances the experience for everyone. I'm at that point though. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not anti, you know, the, the going straight to the streaming service. I know I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but a lot of people this past weekend were at home streaming Bill and Ted, you know, face the music and, You know, it, it was only 20 bucks, you know, or, or $25. It was $20 to rent and $25 to own. But I'm like, well, if you have a family of four and you were taking them to the theater to see it, that's still probably cheaper than what you'd have paid to go see it in the theater. And you get to watch it in the comfort and safety of your own home. And if you've got a decent television and a surround sound system, 
you know, you're, you're getting a pretty solid experience out of that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, the world that we live in right now, as much as I wish we could just go watch some movies, right now it's just not, it's just not good. And I mean, but, you know, again, we, we run into this situation. It's like how much, you know, how much longer can these movie theaters hold out without, you know, having customers? But, right. you know, but, you know, there's, I'm, I'm not planning on going to see a movie in a theater anytime soon, even though there's been a lot of excitement about the movies that are, you know, 2021 supposed there is packed full of, of quality movies. But as of right now, Bunch of movies supposed to have been in 2020 for that matter. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot of them are supposed to play in 2020. Exactly. But you know, the, of course this weekend uh, we, we uh, premiere season two of the boys. So I'm definitely looking yes. forward to that. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm going to sit at home and because, you know, as weird as it is to say, I want to spend my weekend in a world that's more screwed up than mine <laughs> for a change, you know, so I, I want to see a world more messed up than the one I have to live in. That's that that's my my joy. But let's talk a little bit about DC Fandom. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys actually watched the uh, the website and the broadcast and all that or just saw the trailers. Uh, I did. Catch- I just saw the trailers myself. They were they were blowing up left and right on social media, so I just did it that way. Oh yeah, I was curious. Yeah. What about you, Mandy? Did you watch any of that, or did you just see the trailers I online? Pretty, I pretty much just saw. I think all I saw was Batman, the Batman uh, uh-huh. trailer. I think that's all I really got out of out of it all. Oh yeah. Well, I was curious, definitely, to see how this was gonna how this was going to uh, develop. So I did watch some of it online. And I have to say, when I when I saw it, my first impression was, who did Warner Brothers hire to do all this? Because it it looked really yeah. good the way they the way they put it all together and with the virtual stage, and the fact that they were instead of uh, I mean some of the some of the stuff like you know like the Sandman panel you had the typical Zoom call, you know you had the three squ- you know two squares or three squares and people talking to each other, but there were moments when they were doing. Uh, they were doing green screens. So it looked like you had three people standing together, even though they were in three different locations. But it looked like they were all together talking to each other, which was, pre- which, like I said, was pretty cool. And the whole thing was put together pretty nicely, I have to say, to a degree where I was like, I mean, did Warner Brothers really have anything to do with this? Because, you know, usually in the promotion side of things, they tend to mess things up pretty badly. Now, what I thought was interesting... Watching all those trailers, all I could think of was like, you know, when did DC finally get the memo? Like, when did they finally realize, you know, how to, um, you know, reinvigorate their fan base? Because I can honestly say I, I enjoyed every trailer that I saw, and I did not think that that would be the case. But I'm actually excited for pretty much every movie that they promoted. Oh, absolutely. That's that's what uh, that's what I was shocked by because I thought I thought it came off really well. Now, of course, the weird thing about it is is they. Fandom got split into two, and then the second part of Fandom is going to be September the 12th. And the reason they did that, obviously, if if anyone who uh, listened to our last podcast knows that DC, Warner Brothers, and uh, AT&T basically plowed into DC Comics and their television branch and fired a bunch of people. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, why do they wait until September 12th before, you know, they talk about a lot of the comic stuff and a lot of the TV stuff. And I think it's because they're still trying to figure out what the heck that's going to be. Because DC Universe is basically getting gutted for HBO Max and, and the CW. 
So, I mean, yep. So I'm sure they're still trying to figure out. They'll, you know, there's no point in reporting news when you ain't got the news yet. So they're not sure what they're going to do. So I can see why they would put that off till December, uh, September 12th before they said anything. But yeah, let's talk about those trailers. And you mentioned uh, like the Batman, Mandy. And I have to say that was a very impressive looking trailer. I mean, they're all pretty impressive because, I mean, they're, of course, stymied at this point as far as production and post-production and all, and all of that because, and you know. Unfortunately, today it was announced that Robert Pattinson tested for, for positive for COVID, so. Uh, well, that's going around. Oh. there. And, of course, The Rock just announced that he and his wife and his daughters all have it, so yeah. that's probably going to put a hurt in the back at him. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's, it's real, man. People need to remember that. Yeah. If those people can get it, you can get it. Oh yeah, I mean there's I mean whenever you're dealing with this type of a I mean I mean this stuff is this stuff is insidious obviously and you know we're getting to a point and of course you know Mandy you and I talked about this last podcast but it's very easy to since it's been going on for so long to get kind of laxed on it. It's like, well, you know, if I haven't gotten it by now, I'm not going to get it. It's like, no, it's not that's not how it works, y'all. And we're getting ready to go back into winter and this could get a lot worse, but you know, like I said, one of the things that amazed me about Fandom is where everybody is stuck post-production, pre-production, you know, and all of that. They were still able to bring out trailers. I mean, when you look at the fact that, you know, Black Adam, they there's not there's there's not a frame of footage in the can for this at all. But they did this amazing multi-part motion comic that got yeah, people excited about. Yeah. It was. It was really cool. Now, going back to the Batman trailer, though, I, I will say I thought that trailer was incredibly effective. Oh, yeah. Um, I really like the of it. I really like how I'm fairly certain that the, the main villain is going to be the Riddler, and I like how they're portraying him very, like, like you know, serial killer-esque, and almost like Seven with Batman, you know, involved. I like how we see glimpses of the Penguin and Catwoman, and, you know, they're not all going to be main characters in this, and that's fine. You're setting up things for the future. But I do like the fact that, you know, this is Batman year two, basically, from what I understand. And we're already seeing, you know, a very, you know, established rogues gallery for Batman. We're, we're seeing, you know, you know, the, the, the first two he beats up. You know, obviously there's people who are fans of the Joker. And it very much reminded me of the Joker's, you know, biker group in Batman Beyond when I saw all those people with the makeup on. Oh, yeah. Um, I like the fact that you're seeing a very, you know, established Gotham City, that there's already history there. You know, this is not Batman's first radio, so it's not an origin story. It's not Batman Begins again. It's not Batman 89 again. This is a Batman who's already been doing it and is still, you know, still getting his feet wet, but he's still, you know, out there doing it and people know that he exists. I really love the cast. I love the atmosphere of the trailer. I do love the action that they've shown. I mean, when he beats the hell out of that Joker, I mean, it is a straight up. Dude, he punches the soul out of this guy. (laughs) That guy is like dead practically. I mean, it's like Arkham Asylum, Batman Arkham Asylum levels of violence, but he doesn't kill anybody, of course, but he beats them to a pulp. And I'm like, man, I like the suit. I like, you know, the Batmobile because he's not fully set up as Batman yet. Like he's still figuring stuff out. So the Batmobile is not the big, sleek, crazy, you know, machine that we normally know it to be. It's more like a car. And I dig that. I I really, to me, I I thought the atmosphere of it was note perfect for a Batman film. It does feel like there's going to be a lot more of the detective work in this. And they have talked about that. I love that. So to me, I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a departure from everything that we've kind of seen before. And, and I like the fact that this is 
something that to me, even though it's new, it feels like it feels comfortable in that Batman universe. If that makes any sense, it, 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 everything in it, I'm like, yeah, that, that all makes sense to me. Nothing there feels out of place. Nothing there feels off. You know, it's, it's not tonally wrong. Like, you know, man of steel or Batman v Superman. It, it, it's, right where it needs to be. And I really, really dug that. Yeah. So you said you saw the trailer, Mandy. What did you, uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree really, yeah, with everything you're saying. And what made me really think about it uh, was I saw this great thread about how our, our Batman movies so far have been about, I guess, what kind of, the flashy side of it, we're about gadgets. We're about fighting style. We're about, you know, you know, the, the villain and, and, you know, sending messages to Batman. And we've, we kind of lost that Sherlock Holmes oh, yeah. to it. Yeah. The, the detective part of it, like Kevin was saying. So that's what I'm really, I'm most looking forward to. You know, we've, we've got him in there with Gordon in, in a crime scene and they're talking to each other. You know, it's usually they're up on the roof talking beside the, the, the bat signal. You know, they're, they're not yeah. down. Each other, you know, we're, we're really we're going to get to see the the, the the mystery side of it. Agatha Christie, the Sherlock Holmes, you know, we, we'll get to to you know kind of the, the who done it of it. Kind of what I'm I'm looking forward to, and I, I'm I'm excited to see. Oh yeah, well, Kevin, you did mention that you liked pretty much everything that you saw as far as the trailers are concerned. So let's test that for a moment. We also got a trailer for the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League. <laughs> Oh, okay, I take that back. That that was part of it. I really don't care. Um, there, there is, there is, there's nothing you can do to save that train wreck of a film. I don't care if you give me five seconds of Dark Side. Doesn't matter. That film is just not still going to work for me, and I really don't care if I ever see it. I'm glad that you know the fan base got their Snyder cut, but let me tell you right now, that's like the one thing in this entire thing that I'm like, man, everything else DC is redoing here. It's looking so good and, and so like tonally right and so really spot on. And then you have this trailer where they use, you know, Hallelujah with Leonard yeah. Cohen singing it, which is exactly the same tune that Zack yeah. Snyder used in Watchmen. In Watchmen and I'm yeah. like, can we not like come up with something yeah. different here? Like this is this is ridiculous. And you know, I, I just at this point I'm really after the whole like attack on the woman, like I'm kinda done with Ezra Miller. I really don't care about his flash. I never have cared for Momoa's Aqua Bra. And I you're not gonna do anything, you're not gonna add anything to me that's gonna make that film any better. As a matter of fact, for me, because Zack Snyder has been so totally off with everything for me, my guess is I would probably hate that cut even more. I think it might even be worse. But that's just me, and I know that, you know, it's my opinion, but I'll be honest, I, I, I Justice League, as it stands, I don't like the film, but when you compare it to Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, I love Justice League. Because <laughs> I really don't really care for Justice League, but at least I finally got a Superman that I could root for because he actually felt like Superman. And you know, there's those things, but I really just don't care about this cut. And I'm like, I'm glad the fan base is getting it, but by the same token, I'm a little like leery of the fact that all the fanboys bitched and moaned so much, and they were like, okay, well, let's finally do this. And I'm like, that's kind of a dangerous precedent because. You know, you're going to get people bitching and moaning for other stuff, you know, and, and, and it may not be the right path to take. You might have kind of opened Pandora's box there. I don't know. We'll see. 
my theory on this is the reason why we got this Snyder Cut, and I had to come up with a new theory because, of course, Mandy will tell you, and anyone who's listened to this podcast for, for any length of time will tell you, is I was constantly saying, there's no way we're getting a Snyder Cut. It's too expensive. They're not going to go back and do this. They're not going to throw more money at it. But then COVID happens, and now everybody right. is struggling for content. They'll take it from anywhere. Plus the fact that, you know, I, I, agree with that. I agree with that 1 million percent, Brian. I really, if, if this, if COVID didn't happen, we don't get the Snyder cut. I would completely agree with that statement. And I believe, I mean, I would bet money on it that yeah. we would not have it had it not been for COVID. But like you said, where they're putting stuff over to HBO max and that's where this cut is going to premiere. Right. They desperately need content to move, to make that move and to get people to subscribe to HBO max even more and they're hoping that this is going to be the thing that does it, uh, you know, and it may work. I, I, you know, again, it's not my cup of tea, but that doesn't mean I'm the only person, you know, that they're making this for. I'm obviously not the target audience, but it, it could work. But to me, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm going to agree completely with you. If COVID-19 didn't happen, this cut does not exist, period. Now, I, I certainly believe that. And I will say this, when I saw the trailer for it, yeah, the, the, the Leonard Cohen thing, I'm like, really, we're going to do this again? But I have to say, when I saw the trailer, I was like, okay, well, this, I, I, I kind of like how the trailer's put together. But then I remembered it's Zack Snyder and it's four hours long. And I remember that. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. I don't have a dog in this fight. I, I have nothing invested in the Snyder cut not working or it being, you know, people trashing it or whatever. If people love it, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, good for them. There are people who, who like Justice League as it is. And, you know, that's great. You know, good for you. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing about Ezra Miller, that's what surprised me, that the fact that they announced that they are going to do the Flash movie, the solo movie, especially with everything that's been going on, as you mentioned, with Ezra Miller, I thought that... I figured that was something that was, they were going to just push that off to the side and we're, we're never going to speak about it again. But no, they promoted it. They promoted it during uh, during Fandom, and I'm like, I thought this was going to be dead. How did this How did this happen? You know. But yeah. again, we are in a situation now where people are desperate for content. All these streaming services that started out now, they're desperate to find things to put on because you can't produce anything new right now. Not really. Yeah. I mean, case in point. Case in point. Look at Netflix picking up Cobra Kai. Yeah. And Cobra Kai went from being a small success on YouTube to the number one show in the country right now, thanks to it getting exposure on Netflix. So mm-hmm. you know, I got to say a lot of those YouTube you know, premium shows are going to be going that streaming route because they desperately need the content. Yeah, well, and, and plus the fact that Netflix, uh, that YouTube discovered, oh, wait a minute, people don't turn on uh, YouTube to watch television. They're not, that's no, not what they're no. in for, you know. Sometimes you got to understand who your market is and who your audience is, but... At the same time, like you said, there's a lot of there's a lot of content that you know kind of flew under the radar uh, on YouTube Red that I think is going to get uh, swooped up. I agree. Since we're gonna since we're talking about movies and we're talking about ambivalent feelings, we got to talk su- the Suicide Squad. I am all in on that movie. I I love the fact that James Gunn got to write and direct it. I love the fact that it's got freaking King Shark and Polka Dot Man. Um, <laughs> that movie to me looked like exactly what I wanted Suicide Squad to be. It looks batshit crazy. It looks funny. It looks nuts. It looks 
you know, like it's definitely going to earn its R rating with the characters involved. I, I saw King Shark eating someone alive, and that's beautiful. <laughs> you got a Harley Quinn that actually doesn't look just like a, you know, she walked out of like, you know, Fredericks of Hollywood. She actually looks like she, you know, could take a hit or two with what she's wearing. You know, I, I was surprised they brought back Rick Flag, but you know, okay, fine, whatevs. I love the fact, though, that, that you know, they, they, you know, brought back, you know, Amanda Waller. I love the fact that, you know, that you've still got Margot Robbie as, as Harley Quinn. That's fine. I knew that was going to be the case. But I really love the fact that they brought in, like, you've got John Cena as, as the Beast Baker. That's hilarious to me. Like, that's just brilliant. The big one for me, though, is Capaldi as the thinker. That's yes. probably the most exciting casting in that entire film for me. Fucking Peter, pardon my French, Peter Capaldi. <laughs> and I'm like, that's kind of brilliant right there. Everything that they showed in the behind the scenes video and then all the character roster stuff. Oh yeah. I was like, and you also got Sean Gunn. So you got he goes from Rocket Raccoon to the Weasel. Fantastic. He's still a fairy character. That's wonderful. Like I, I'm all about that film. Like to me, like as much as I love that Batman trailer, and man, do I love that Batman trailer. I'll be honest, I've watched the Suicide Squad one more. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, well, the thing about it, too, is that you realize when you look and you see the, the list of characters they've got in. I mean, they, they got Polka Dot Man. They're busting out Polka Dot Polka Man Dot into this Man one. Like the best thing. Like, I lost it when I saw him on the roster. And that his costume is like the exact costume. Yeah. <laughs> That made me so happy. When I saw King Shark, I was like, okay, I'm in. You went that far? That far? Okay. James Gunn, you you got it. You're going to make that film what they wanted the first one to be. And keep in mind, I despise the original Suicide Squad. I think it is maybe (laughs) the worst film, maybe the worst edited film I've ever seen. And that's really saying something. And I hated that film. I hated it, hated it, hated it. But what they wanted the original Suicide Squad to be was obviously Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, you really can only do that right if you get the guy who wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy to write and direct your Guardians of the Galaxy clone. And that's where I'm like all in on this film. Like I I am really genuinely, I might be more excited about that than I am Batman. That's no joke. And that's something I would have never in a million years thought I would say out loud, let alone seriously. And yet here I am saying it out loud and seriously that might be of all the films they showed that might be the most anticipated film for me oh yeah for sure i'll tell you what to be on and i i totally agree with you i figured you know i i was not the biggest fan of of the original suicide squad either it was you know it was a choppy mess for sure but yeah i saw this i saw this trailer and i'm like oh good lord and realizing how deep the bench is here and realizing that they're going to kill a bunch of people in this movie. Yes. You know, yes. that was one thing I warned you. It's like, there are characters you that you're going to like, and then they're going to die. I mean, this it's is going to be the legit... Like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Don't get attached to anyone. <laughs> exactly. You know, in, in the original Suicide Squad, we got one death and Slipknot, and that was it. But one, there, yeah, only one. Like, what? Come on. That's, like, ridiculous. Yeah, this is a Suicide and Squad. And he knew he was going to die because he had, like, five seconds of screen time before he, like, showed up. Like, oh, okay, he's dead. I mean, oh, he yeah. might as well just have a red shirt on him, period. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because you didn't even see him on the poster. You knew. You right. know. Exactly. He's not on the poster. Come on, man. You think he's going to make it? No, it's just ridiculous. Whereas with this, everybody seems like they're going to get equal billing, and they're all cast impeccably. Oh, like, yeah. That cast is just 
ridiculous. I mean, Idris Elba, I mean, come on, man. Like, that's ridiculous. So, like, when you look at that cast, and it's such, like you said, such a deep bench. Like, I honestly can say that any of the deaths in it will probably have a bit of an impact because you'll like the characters, whether they're good, bad, or whatever, because of the fact that what the characters are, who they are, and who's playing them, you're going to feel those losses way more than you did in the original Suicide Squad. And so I think, you know, to me, this almost feels like, even though it's been in such close proximity, they're treating this almost to me like like a reboot. Like, don't even talk about the other one. We brought back <laughs> cast in the other one, and they couldn't get Will Smith for whatever reason. So, okay, fine. But they they brought those key elements back, and I think they're really going to kind of treat this like a let's not talk about that first one. It doesn't exist. Here's this really cool movie called The Suicide Squad. And uh, notice too that it's The Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad. So they're again trying to separate themselves. I think from that original abomination. And, and I think this movie could be a humongous hit for them if, if they continue to market it right. And if the film, if they really did give James Gunn carte blanche, which it looks like they did, if he really had carte blanche to make the film that he wanted to make, that he could make, he's proven time and again, especially when you look at you know Guardians 1 and 2, he works so well with ensemble casts and he works so well with people who are like the, the, the dregs of society. They're not, you know, honest. They're not virtuous. They're not perfect, but they're real. And he does such a great job of, of giving everybody their moment to shine and everybody their chance to be real and everybody, you know, a, a chance to actually live and breathe as a character, not just as fodder for whatever's going to shoot them or eat them or whatever. I, I give him major props for that. And I think that's why I'm super excited for the Suicide Squad because I feel like we're going to get the film that we were kind of promised we were going to get with the first one, I feel like we're finally going to get that film because they got, they finally got the person they were trying to ape, they finally got him to come in and do it. So I feel like we're going to be like in really good hands with that movie. Oh, absolutely. And you know, the thing is, if you if you watched any of behind-the-scenes stuff, I mean, everybody yeah. had just the best stuff to say about, about James Gunn. I mean, everybody was just, yeah. was just, they were like, dude, this, this was like, Amazing, and I can't wait, man! I I can't wait to see it. The Guardians cast have all been like, you know, we'll fall on the sword for this guy because he's awesome. And you know, like when that whole Twitter, you know, thing came out, comments he made, you know, decades ago, and the whole cancel culture thing to try to take him out. You know, even then, you know, Dave Bautista, Chris Pratt, and people were like, he's a really good guy, and you know, we we want to stand with him in, in in making these Guardians of the Galaxy films. And so that's why I'm glad to see, you know, obviously. People do like working with him. Obviously, he makes a great set experience for his cast and crew, which is why people talk so highly about him. And again, when you've got to juggle all of those balls in the air, he seems like he's really damn good at juggling and really doesn't let any of the balls fall down. So, you know, I I, I like the fact that people are very ride or die with him. I, oh, I yeah. think that. Well, you know about the Play-Doh, right? I'm not sure that I do. Oh, this is great. This is something this is what something that James Gunn does uh on the set. He does the he did this in the Guardians of the Galaxy one or two, one and two, but and I know I um I'm trying to remember who, who was talking about this. You know, if you were if you know you're doing a scene and he feels like you really just delivered the scene, he'll give he gives the actor right there on the set a can of play doh and say, Good job. And so <laughs> That's and, awesome. Yeah, it's like he's giving out bunches, of, but you know, he's that's just kind of that thing. He's like, dude, that 
you really brought it for that scene here. Have a can of Play-Doh. And he just gives out cans of Play-Doh to the, to the actors. That's so, awesome. I think it was Chris Pratt. Actually, I think it was Chris Pratt that talked about how he got, when he got his first can of Play-Doh from, uh, from James Gunn for, for really delivering in a scene. So. Well, I mean, one of my favorite James Gunn, like, you know, compadres in this is we get Nathan Fillion. And I'm just like, okay, uh, at that point, I'm done. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a cast Nathan Fillion. It has, you know, Peter Capaldi. It has, you know, Idris Elba. It has, you know, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. Like, just, yeah, let's do this. I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 definitely looking forward to it. One last trailer we do I, I did want to mention, of course, was Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I I liked the trailer. The, the only thing I'm trying to, to, to wrap my head around with it is the tone of it. Because tonally that trailer is really dark at points, and then at others it's like completely not. And I'm just kinda like I, I can't quite figure out if that's just the way the trailer is put together or if the film's going to have that tonal problem as well, because the first one did not have a tonal problem. It's really a solid, you know, dramatic adventure film. Like it's really well done. And this looks awesome. I love the setting, of course, because, you know, 80s nerd. Mm-hmm. And, and I really was interested in what the cheetah would look like. And I do like that she very much goes like barrel, you know, looking at the end of it all. And that's pretty cool. I just, like I said, I, I, I like what I saw. I'm just interested in how the tone plays because when things are set in the 80s, it's easy to try to, you know, make them goofy and, you know, like the whole lot about parachute pants and all that stuff, which Chris Pine delivers perfectly, by the way. I'm not going to lie. It's a funny line. But I'm like, are we going to have a bunch of moments like that where it's like making fun of the 80s while at the same time you have to take it seriously when she's fighting the cheetah? Or, you know, that, that's the stuff I'm kind of wondering. Like, what is the tone of this film going to be it looks great you've got a great cast you know Kristen Wiig looked like she really you know got into shape really got you know into the part and I think that's really cool it definitely looks like something not stereo or not typical for her or stereotypical for her for that matter and I, I'm interested to see how that plays out it it, it was a good looking trailer no questions asked visual effects looking really strong her gold armor looks fantabulous you know and and, and you know again the, the cast is is top notch so you know, I, I definitely am excited for it. And, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm not. I genuinely am. I, I look forward to seeing it. But I'm just very curious to how that film is going to play tonal. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I always like to see texture in a film. But, you know, when you have tones, like you say, you know, different tones, you know, it's it's quite a balancing act to get to get so that they don't step on each other, especially when you have like a really right. serious tone and a really comedic tone. It's really easy to take the air out of the room, so to speak. But, well, you know, you know, Patty Jenkins, I've had... I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, with, with the first movie, you know, it, it, you were able to get those moments of humor and, and cuteness because you had the fish-out-of-water story with Diana. And that lent itself very well to some, you know, fun little jokes about, you know, the way that she dresses, the way that, you know, she acts, who she talks to and stuff, you know, how she fits in in a, in a, in a patriarchal society. Those things all played very well off the strength of the fact that you have a very well put together fish out of water story. So in this case with the new film, she's not a fish out of water. So that's where I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, I don't want to have humor just at the expense of, Hey, it's the eighties. Do you remember when they had this? Like, I don't want that. That's, that's the yeah. thing I really don't. Want. Instead of fish out of water, we've got man out of time, which is kind of, you know, that's kind of like our, the, 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 the of Captain America, you know, Oh, like, would we, ha- would we be making as much fun of the 80s if we didn't have that man out of time thing right. going right. on? You know, that he, and he's obviously whatever it was, he's frozen or, 
however they put him in stasis, and now he's woke. He's woke up forty years later. Uh, right. Yeah. Forty. You know, fifty. Fifty years later. I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, now we got man out of time. So he's now the fish out of water. Yeah, where they where the, the the basically the roles have switched for sure. Yeah, and I I did enjoy the trailer. I, I was a little iffy about the the scene where you see Wonder Woman fighting Garfield. I mean Cheetah. I, I'm sorry, yeah, I get my cartoon it, cats it. mixed up. Now before y'all come at me, now I'm I understand that you know COVID is a thing, and they you know they still have some CG stuff to do. Okay, I I, I you know so. yeah yeah. You know, I'm. I accept that. So, and, and plus, I have so much faith, faith in, in Patty Jenkins. Though I have so much faith yeah. in her, I know it's going to be great. I think what you know, what you're talking about with the CG. I, to me, I, I can forgive it a little because at least it wasn't like you know. I was wondering, like, are they going to make her look like the Super Friends, where she's just like a woman, like in a cheetah costume? Because that's really not going to work. Right. So, I was actually relieved to see her like as a. Like you know, like a actual like feline character. I mean, she she looks easily on par as scary as the cats from Cats. So you know, she's pretty scary looking, and and that's you know, understand something. But I'm with you. There's a lot of work still to be done, and, and I, I think they can still do a really good job with you know the cheetah and, and making her look you know, and and more importantly, like making her move with the speed and the strength and the ferocity you know that she should. And you you see some of that. I mean, like. When when you see Wonder Woman like jump over her and grab her by the nape of her neck and slam her down, I was like, "Damn, yeah, that's a that's a pretty brutal move right there." Oh yeah, uh, and she didn't land on the feet. I'm like, "Yeah, that that could be like pretty awesome. Like that's going to allow for hopefully a very powerful fight." Because the main complaint I have with the first Wonder Woman is just in the end, it's just you know a, a PS2 video game where it's like a whole bunch of CGI and lightning and big huge thing getting blown up, and and here. She's got someone who's like a rival to her in size, strength, speed, power. That's interesting. Like, that's cool. And that's where I do think the film can be definitely elevated above the first one. I, I think it will hopefully not have that weak third act that the first one did. Although I still really enjoy the first one. It is a weak third act. But this looks like it could relieve that problem. But again, my, my biggest concern is just going to be the, the tone of the humor. I, I'm not saying I didn't laugh at the whole the parachute pants is everybody parachuting now. That made me laugh, but I don't want, I don't want like an entire screenplay of that kind of humor. That's what I'm afraid of. Oh yeah, that's definitely something that you you know that should be a seasoning. That shouldn't def, that definitely shouldn't be like the main course. You know, all in all, I think that uh, DC fandom got people really excited about what's coming out. Yeah. A lot. Some of the other stuff, you know, of course the the trailers are the ones that have pretty much taken center stage on the whole thing. There was other stuff that I, was really cool. I mean, I, I really loved the Sandman panel with Neil Gaiman and, of course, all the talk that they were doing about, you know, the new series and everything. Oh, yeah. The, the fact that they announced there is going to be a Static Shock movie, which is, which I, which is, I, you know, of course, they don't have anything on it yet. I mean, the Black Adam trailer, right. you know, you know, all that setup was pretty awesome. Uh, the fact that they've announced the, yeah. The Gotham Knights video game trailer, which looks fantastic. You know, yeah. you've got to play in a world where Batman is dead. And yeah. it's up to Robin, Nightwing, you know, Batgirl and Red Hood to, you know, pick up the slide. That that game looks freaking awesome. Oh, yeah. And the story looks amazing. Yeah, the other, tra- the other uh, video game trailer, too, uh, the Suicide Squad Killed the Justice League is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And more yeah, King Shark, y'all. Yeah. 
Yeah, more king. You got more king shark. And of course, my favorite little weird Easter egg in the whole thing was, of course, they did this Shazam panel. Uh, of course, they've announced the title of the, the new Shazam movie is going to be Shazam Fury of the Gods. But what was the cute little <laughs> Easter egg? And I know, Mandy, you'll you'll get a kick out of this if you didn't know. They brought Sinbad in as a cameo for the call. <laughs> the original the Sinbad, the original Shazam. You remember the genie movie he was in? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. in, the, in the other in the other world, yes. Yes. So yeah. So so Sinbad was in on the call. You know, he played a cameo in the call. So (laughs) that's that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Yeah. Well, that again. You know, for me, that was so. I really enjoyed what they did with with DC Fandom. Like I said, there was some things that they couldn't talk about because, again, they're in the middle of this. They basically did a scorched earth on the comic books, and and they, they did talk a little bit about TV. They mentioned The Flash a little bit, and they did talk about the comic mini miniseries, John Ridley's uh, Batman miniseries that's going to f- uh, focus on Lucius Fox. But they really couldn't talk about a whole lot of the other stuff because I think they're still trying to figure out what that's going to be. And all the rumors, you know, they didn't really an- they didn't really talk about all anything comic-wise about, you know, there's all these rumors that uh, AT&T and, and Warner Brothers wants to get out of the comic book business, and they may d- start doing digital comics only. You know, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of speculation, but I think honestly, we're not going to know a lot of that until September 12th. I think they're, and I think they're still trying to figure out where all that's going to be, but that's going to be the interesting one. I knew that the first one was going to be all the hype and all the stuff people are actually excited about. The second one's going to be the hard sell. Well, I I would say that I think with the first part of this, it, it did, like you said, it did what it needed to do. It got people excited. It got people like me who have not been really on board with DC Warner Brothers films, excited about the future of those films. And again, those are things I did not think I would be saying. I never thought in a million years I'd be excited about another Suicide Squad movie. And I was like, okay, another Batman movie, whatevs. But this really, to me, I, I was genuinely impressed with their panel. And again, I think they started figuring it out. And you and I talked about this when we saw Shazam. Was Shazam finally felt like they figured out the Marvel formula. Like why the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been so successful, film after film after film after film after film, you know, that, that tone and the, the reminder that, you know, superheroes, you know, they are an outlet, you know, for, for people to experience hope and joy and, you know, those, those doing those things they can't do. And Shazam nailed all of that. And it looks like to me that these other films are definitely really figuring that out, that, you know, tone is important and everything doesn't have to be dark and saturated and muted and gross like Zack Snyder's stuff. You can have fun with it. You can lighten it up. You can have, you know, like you and I talked about, you know, like you said, the, the texture, you can have that. And these films look like they really are going to deliver on that. So I, I walked away from it thinking, you know, man, right now, because Marvel hasn't really had anything. And I'm like, Man, Marvel, the ball's in your court because DC really, they really, you know, took it home, man. I mean, it was genuinely impressive. Oh, yeah. And to a to a degree where they even, uh, at this point, I say they outplayed uh, Comic-Cons online. Comic-Con, of course, they San Diego Comic-Con was online. And, of course, a lot of, a, a lot of places like you know, a lot of companies like Marvel and DC didn't really have a presence in there because they're saving it for their own stuff. Yeah, when you can upstage San Diego Comic-Con, you're saying something. And I think they really did, which was really important, I felt, because, of course, you know, with all the questions with, you know, 
Warner Brothers and AT&T and that whole thing and people wondering what's going on in the background. You know, they really needed to come strong with, you know, with yeah, fandom and get people excited. And I feel like they did. I, I feel like they did. But like I said before, sa- uh, Saturday the 12th, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting because that's, you know, they've already, they've, they've done everything, you know, about uh, the stuff that people are excited about. You know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a harder thing to pull off uh, September the 12th because those are the things that people have questions about. And uh, the, that's definitely the weak spot of their roster. And if they can, sure. if they can do, if they can do uh, with the comics and the TV side, what they did with, you know, the movies and, and what they've done with the first part, you know, I think that that's, uh, that's going to be saying something, but man, <laughs> that's not going to be an easy job for sure. I will say on, on the note of Warner Brothers, you know, we've mentioned Tenet. I will say that the the one thing I am most anticipating right now more than anything is that finally next week we will get what is apparently going to be a three to four minute long trailer for Denny Villeneuve's reboot of Dune. I'm yes. so excited about that bandit. And all the, the leaked footage that I've seen, I mean, like just mainly images, it looks amazing. People who have seen the trailer in front of Tenet, which is like, a preview trailer for the big trailer next week have all been raving about it. It is to me like if there's one film that's going to get my ass in a theater at all in the near future, the possibility of it is Dune. That's the one that could feasibly be the one that gets me in there because this looks like from, from all accounts, this is going to be one of the most epic films like in a damn long time. And when you look at that camp and you look at the director and the talent behind it, you know, I feel like that's that's a movie that, for me, that's my most anticipated film of, of this and next year. I don't know that I'm more excited about anything than I am Dune. Yeah, and I have to say, this is not the kind of film that I think you want to release on a streaming. You know, this is something that you need to see this in a theater. Yeah, they've been pushing that back, and it was the same thing with Tenet. They didn't want to just release it on the streaming, and that's why they pushed it back. But, you know, they finally had to do something with it. But I just, to me... Dune is the film that I, you know, it just looks absolutely stunning. I mean, I follow a lot of different fan groups of, of Dune on Facebook, and I've been seeing lots of the leaked images. If you have not seen the Empire Magazine covers, go look at those. They're gorgeous. Uh, but I, I, for me, Denis Villeneuve has not let me down yet. I, I think Blade Runner 2049 is that film that should not have existed, and it does, and it's really great that it does because it's an amazing film on its own. To see him take the Dune novel in a very different direction, you know, than we've ever seen. And I do love the David Lynch film, yeah, worse yeah. than all, no pun intended about Baron Harkonnen. I love that film. It's it's the film that got me into Dune. But Denny Villeneuve's film, I think, is the film that's really going to do the impossible. And that's really bring that vision of the novel to life since they're getting a chance to do it across two movies. And I think my understanding is each film is going to be around the three-hour mark. This is like a mini story, basically, in the cinema. And that's that's huge that they gave them the the budget and the time to do that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Mandy, I know you're excited about the film, too. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm not excited about, you know, three-hour, four-hour-long movies, but I never am. You know, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'll get into a series, and, you know, I'll be always very happy, uh, you know, like Hellboy. Hellboy would have been a great series. Terrible movies would have been a great series. But yeah, Dune, you know, everything everything I've heard about it. I haven't seen those photos or anything. I've heard about, you know, the spin-off series, the sisters. 
about the vintage is what sisters sisterhood. So you know, just everything that's kind of. I think it's going to be like our space Game of Thrones. You know, it's going to. It should be honestly, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have we're going to have people cosplaying. You know, we're going to have some really good still suit cosplays coming out. You know, people are going to, you know, you're going to be House Harkonnen. Are you House Harkonnen? Are you House Atreides? Everyone's going to be just like the Harry Potter houses. You know, this is this is what's going to bring it bring it to us. I'm, I, I'm excited. Does, about it. I hope people geek out about it as much as you and I are going to, because I mean, you know, and the thing is, they 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 are marketing this movie. Everybody who's seen the trailer said the big focus is obviously the cast, because while Dune is the most successful science fiction novel of all time. It also really, in today's modern age, most people don't know it. They really don't. And mm-hmm. I think that's where they're, the focus in the trailer is the fact that you've got Dave Batista and Zendaya and Oscar Isaac and Jason Momoa and Timothy Chalamet and, you know, Stellar Skarsgård. And you've got like, all these big names in this cast. And they said basically that that's what the trailer kind of shows. It's a lot of imagery. It's a lot of the people who are in it. And then at the end, it shows you like the cast, you know, credits up there. And of course, every one of those names is like practically an A-lister. And I'm like, man, that's the kind of thing that they need to do. They need to get people excited about this film because, you know, Dune, like you said, a lot of people love Game of Thrones. This will definitely like fill the, the, the void where Game of Thrones isn't there anymore. And I think for a lot of people, they could really gravitate to this. And really see it, you know, and make this film a gigantic success. Like, I really want it to be a tremendous success. I, I, I want that universe to get unleashed on us in, in video games and board games and action figures and all that good stuff that they tried to do in 84, but they weren't ready for. I want all that stuff to happen with this new, this new take on it. And I'm really hoping that, you know, that we get to, you know, that we, that we get that, basically. Oh, yeah, I certainly feel the same way. You know, the thing about it is Dune is one of those uh, one of those iconic books. I mean, it is a it is a pillar of science fiction. It's one of those books that you wonder, can you actually make a movie out of it? It looks like we are are going. I mean, and I I love the original. I, I love the original movie. Warts and all. Certainly, I enjoyed it. But to think that we might get something so close to the book, but, you know, also, you know, a movie with that kind of an epic feel, which, you know, uh, until, you know, well, I mean, some of the, 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 the Avengers movies have, have that feel to it, but, you know, it's not the type of movie that Hollywood tends to gravitate toward, except, you know, all those rare, rare occasions every once in a while, they will, somebody will be interested in making one of these epic event films. And especially yeah, and with everything. There's, that's, some, there's some stories that, we we just weren't ready for you know our technology wasn't there to give it to us you know we we just weren't ready for it. and you know Black Panther is one of them you know coming back you know full circle to Chadwick Boseman that we weren't ready for Black Panther until we got it because if we had tried to do it in the seventies it would have been a black exploitation nightmare if we had tried to do it in the nineties we wouldn't have had that technology to show the vibranium to show Wakanda like it should have been represented. represented. Yeah. We weren't ready for it until we got it. Yeah, and I can agree with that. You know, you know, love the movie, but we're ready for it now. And people, you know, coming together and, you know, I, I really think it kind of did start with, you know, J.K. Rowling. 
people, you know, when the Harry Potter movies come out, everyone wants to be Gryffindor. But then as you start reading the books, then you're more honest with yourself. Like, no, I'm a Hufflepuff. And then, you know, then as those people become adults, then they go back and they find these books like Game of Thrones. And then, you know, like, oh, everyone wants to be Stark. But then now you're kind of honest with yourself. You know, maybe I really am, you know, the house, you know, whichever house you are. And uh, I'm ready with anybody. If there's anybody who finds themselves as House Stark Conan, I don't want to hang out with them because there's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> if you've read the books in particular, there is not one damn redeeming thing about those people. I don't want to hang out with anyone. If I'm like on Tinder and she's all like, "Hey, I'm House Stark Conan," I'm like, "That's a hard pass left." <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, I appreciate no, your, no, you know, no. I appreciate your honesty, but uh, no, n- not just no, <laughs> hell no. I'm really glad you let me know this, though, because now I know to avoid that terrifying moment. But I, will say, you know, I know that I would probably be the poor. I'd probably be a friend. You know, I'm, I'm poor, low class. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm honest with myself. I'm not high up there in the in the fancy houses. I didn't train in, you know, the, the, the Benny Gisbert sisters. I, I know, you know, I'm nothing special. So I'm, I'm well, for me, like... What I'm really excited about, though, I think the, the 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 casting for this film does look amazing, and I think Dave Bautista as Beast Raban is genuinely inspired casting. I think that is absolutely perfect casting. But the thing I'm most excited about is apparently you do get a glimpse of him in the film. But Stellan Skarsgård as the Baron Bradmonen, he is under heavy prosthetic makeup to make him so morbidly obese. And there is a shot of him like where he's in some sort of like bathtub type thing that it looks like almost like it's oil which very much reminds me of the david lynch film where he's like rising up out of it and they said it looks insanely creepy and that everybody who has seen footage of him said that he is genuinely terrifying because well i love you know i i I do love kenneth mcnullen's take on baron harkonnen he is so over the top and so gleefully evil and the Baron in the book, he is like, he doesn't hide the fact that he's a total, like, dictatorial asshole. But the other thing about the Baron that you don't get in the Lynch film, and again, I love the Lynch film. Truly, I do. But you don't get the the machinations of Baron Harkonnen. You don't get the intelligence and the cunning and that what's underneath the surface of him. Like, people look at him like he's fat and bloated, he's weak. No. He's nine times out of ten the smartest guy in the room. And the problem with that guy who's the smartest guy in the room is whatever plan he has, he will do whatever it takes, no matter how despicable it may be, to see that plan through. And if there is anyone on this planet who can pull that off, it is Stellan Skarsgård. So I'm so excited about that casting. As a matter of fact, that is the casting that sold me on the film. As soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. I see where they're going with this. This is going to be something special. And also, everybody who has seen scenes with Tim Chalamet said that he is the perfect Paul Atreides because he is young. You know, in the book, Paul's like 13. He's not mm-hmm. quite that young. Boy, he sure is young and definitely younger than, than Tom McLaughlin was. I mean, again, I love Tom McLaughlin. But this film looks like it's really, you know, it's really going back to not trying to be a remake of what Lynch did and not trying to be a remake of what the Sci-Fi Channel did and definitely not trying to be what Joe Dawarski wanted to make, but it's really going to be something that, you know, is very much true to Denny Villeneuve's vision that he had in his head when he read that book. And he's really going to give us everything that he can. And it looks like he's been given the tools, including his cast, to really do that. So, I mean, for me, 
there, there is nothing I'm more excited about right now than Dune. And I know I've said that multiple times. I will continue to say that to everybody who knows me, including you two, are going to hear me talking about that until I finally get to see it. Oh, I'm totally with you. And, you know, the thing about it is, for those of us who are huge sci-fi fans, you know, sci-fi doesn't always, you know, it's still kind of looked at in some ways as, you know, pulp fiction. And, you know, it does, and not a lot of movies get made, sci-fi movies. Not, I mean, not as much as in the 70s, you got more, a lot more of them. But I, I'm glad to see that coming back. And I also, yeah. what excites me about Dune is that it, it can really open up movies to to exploring those themes and especially now that in science fiction we're seeing we're seeing more diverse voices in in science yeah. fiction and we're seeing a lot uh, we're seeing a lot of afro futurism which you just have never seen in the past because for some reason the the future has always been white uh, but now that's yep. but now that's changing. We're getting all kinds of voices. Now is the time for science fiction really to blow up, and I I really think Dune could be the could be the loggerhead that really brings that. You know, really the the, the you know that that uh, nexus that that really expands what we can do in movies. And I think you know after we've been deprived of movies for so long, this is going to be really exciting to see a huge epic movie on the on the big screen again, for sure. And I, well, I, I kind of felt, you know, because I think, Brian, you and I both went together to see Blade Runner 2049. And, yeah. you know, I remember, like, talking about it afterwards, and I just remember saying, like, I would have never thought in the year of our Lord 2017 that I would be sitting in a movie theater watching a movie that was as slow, as methodic, as weird as Blade Runner 2049, which is exactly what the you know, Blade Runner was in 1982. Right. And I was like, I would have never in a million years thought that I would be sitting in a theater watching a film that genuinely felt like a sequel or an, another story in that world that Ridley Scott created in 1982. And yet we did. And Benny Villeneuve, I'm sorry, obviously really is all about that world building. It's right. all about that tone. And you see that in Blade Runner 2049 and everything that I'm seeing, you know, in, in his take on Dune. I mean, this thing is just dripping with, 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 with tone, with mood, with, you know, with that, that, you know, those epic shots of the desert. So you're getting that, that David Lean, you know, Lawrence of Arabia kind of vibe from it. And I'm like, man, like that's the kind of stuff that you get excited to see in the theater. Like, like you said, those are those movies that you think back on that are those event pictures. Like, you have to see them on the biggest screen possible. You look at, like, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey. You look at Star Wars. You know, you look at films like that, and you're like, man, you have to see those in the biggest screen you can possibly get in front of to see them. And this movie really does feel like a return to that. Like, I'll be honest, like, it, it, it reminds me of in the early 2000s when we had the, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Like, mm-hmm. you had to be there in the theater. You were in no way, shape, or form going to wait for those movies to hit, you know, cable. Like, that was not going to happen. You were going to be there opening night, midnight showing, whatever. You were going to be there, and you knew you had to see it on the biggest screen possible. And I, that's the vibe I get when I start thinking about Dune. And it reminds me of how I felt about, well, about, you know, Avengers and, and how I felt about, you know, Endgame and how I felt about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's like, I have to be there. I have to experience that you know, in the best way possible. Oh, yeah. And the, and the thing is, especially with everything that's been going on now, it's going to take some 
big event films to get people back in the theaters. It's gonna we need these yeah. films. And and so Dune, I think, and and a lot of these other big event films are gonna be really important to um yes. you know, to get people back in the theaters. We need these ma- like you know, these major event films. We we desperately need them to to I mean, we're literally having to jumpstart the movie industry. We're having to, yes. I mean, we're, we're having to defibrillate it for, for real because it's, I mean, it's been dead for so long and it's going to take something like that. You know, that's, that's what's exciting to me. I mean, to, to put yeah. a coda, to put a coda on all of this, it's really exciting to me that there's a lot of stuff waiting for us, that there's a lot of buzz on it. There's, there's a lot of excitement. The future looks really great. Now we just need a world to, to put it all in for sure. Exactly. exactly. That's that's a great way to put it. If we can just find a way to to make it all work and just get COVID nineteen to you know leave, <laughs> we can you know get back to it. But you know, I, I definitely appreciate you guys letting me be a part of the podcast tonight. And I'm sorry to have hijacked at the end about Dune, but <laughs> I've been waiting to talk to people about that. And uh, and I thought since we were talking about Warner Brothers, that seemed like a good time to bring it up. But my understanding is uh, next week on September the 9th, that is when that trailer is going to debut on, on social media. So you'll be able to see it uh, on YouTube and such on September the 9th. So I will be chomping at the bit for that day to hit. I know there are a lot of Dune fans who are like, who are just like me, who are just, you know, that's like our early Christmas gift. We're just waiting for that thing that, you know, I'm going to get up early, get up early on September the 9th and run to my, run to my TV and fire up my PS4 and pull up YouTube and find that and, Watch it as big and as loud as I possibly can. Oh, know? for sure. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm super stoked about it. Yeah, well, and certainly thank you. Uh, thank you for hijacking the, the podcast for Dune because this is, <laughs> I mean, this is definitely something that, uh, that you know, we're all excited about and it does, in fact, give us but something no to look forward to. quite waxes passionately as, as Kevin Polly does when it comes to Dune. I know. So, well, you know, uh, I, it's you know these these past few months have, have, have broken my heart for Kevin because you know as as much as I love movies, you know, I I don't hold a candle to Mister to Kevin Polly, <laughs> and I know that this has been really rough. You know, not being able to go to theaters, and of course, I've missed uh, doing the real deal with you and and doing the doing the live reviews. And I'm yes. definitely looking forward to doing that again someday. Don't know when that is. Right. Yeah, you're, gonna to, you're gonna have to watch it, watch a movie on uh, on Netflix and then do a boom side by side real <laughs> deal of it. Well, there you um, go. You know, that, that is, I that is boys in the band. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, that that's one. We'll have to figure out something though because where Bon Ted is now streaming, that might be something to look into. So that could be one to check out. And, and all the reviews I've been hearing for it are that it's really wonderful and a real wonderful addition to that series of films that it still keeps that wonderful, goofy optimism and sweetness that was always there in the first two movies. And that made me really happy to hear that. So one thing I have gotten to do in the time off is to catch up on movies. And I did get to, uh, I bought the John Wick trilogy and because I never got to really see them in the theater. My God in heaven, do I love the John Wick trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> there's only three? I thought there were only three. Oh my God. Yeah. Three amazing films. And and Mandy, all I got to say for you, it's why you want to watch them. I got two words. And it's not just Keanu Reeves. It's Ian McShane. He is straight money in those films. I mean, straight money in those films. I've never known Ian McShane not to be straight money, so I'm already and, really... But you've got to see him. That's the like low, 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 low. 
Yeah, the role he plays in in John Wick, you you have to see it. it it's okay. it's worth your time. And with that, I'll quit. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's a good way to end the podcast. So uh, a lot to look forward to in the near future, as long as we happen to have one. And hopefully we do. So, And with that said, we come to the end of episode 112 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for tuning in and uh, check with us uh, next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petrie and our special guest, Kevin Polly. thank you for coming. This is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something, be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.